0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Fox Nomad podcast. I'm your host, Fox Nomad Anul Polat. How are you doing? I am really excited today. I have a guest, Michael Wiggy, who, for those of you who are longtime Fox Nomad readers, uh, may remember from 2014, I had a live chat with him on my site. We were talking about uh, how to barter to paradise and how to travel the world for free. Those are two books that he wrote about doing those two things. Uh, But he is back again today to talk about his uh, career shift from travel challenges to motivational speaking and motivational coaching. Uh, It's a really fascinating talk. I really enjoyed my conversation with Michael. It was great to catch up with him after so many years. I think you'll find this both, you know, his travels very interesting, but also some of the techniques he goes over on on facing your fears and accepting change and working with change and considering how 2020 is the year of endless forced change on all of us, uh, I think it's a great listen and I hope you enjoy it. I'm sure you will. Uh, Just a couple of things before we get started. Uh, We've got a bunch. It is so busy on the the tech side, you know, for those of you listening. We have tons of videos. Got Apple iPad Air review coming up by the time you listen to this. That'll be up on YouTube. I've also got Apple's trade-in program. I've got a great gift for a lot of you looking for a minimal wallet, the extra aluminum card holder. There's a review on that up. Just a lot, a lot going on. I'm recording pretty much every day. There's a lot of videos coming out over the next couple of days, so be sure to check it out, Fox Nomad YouTube. Um, Let's see, anything else going on? Oh yeah, oh yeah, Uh, a couple of other giveaways I've got planned. So those of you who are YFOX users, expect some of those. Uh, Wait, look for your notifications. You got some giveaways there and maybe a couple other things to give away too. Um, But make sure that you're following me at FoxNomad on Twitter to not miss any of those. And now I want to introduce to you Michael Wiggy and I hope you enjoy this episode of the podcast. Okay, and we're live now, so aside from hitting record, uh, uh, yeah, we were just talking about how bad 2020 is for a lot of things, um, but, but I appreciate you being on the, on, the, on the podcast.
1: Thanks for the invite, really appreciate that.
0: So I actually was going to reach out to you so I have a list of people that I want on the on the podcast of guests and I remember our live chat we did six years ago on the site and I said I wonder what he's up to (laughs) that was pretty interesting and so and you got in touch just randomly so it was it was really I was like yeah perfect so I'm glad you're you're here.
1: Yeah, nice, nice coincidence. Thank you very much. Yeah, so exactly. I remember six years ago, seven years ago, we had that first encounter, and good to be back here on Fox Nomad. I really like it. Thank you.
0: So, when we did the live chat, it was around a book you had put out, uh, How to Barter to Paradise. And you had essentially traveled around the world or done this very long trip without using money, <laughs> which sounds like a
1: dream, right? <laughs> It, it, it was, looking back, it was a dream. So the first travel, how to travel the world for free, it was a dream. And I'm 10 years in, I'm looking back and I'm really happy I've done it because it was such a, yeah, life experience. I'm really, I'm I, I really happy happy to have done it. I'm always looking back and yeah, it's, and it's good.
0: Your bio is so interesting to me. So you it sort of goes from comedian to TV host to Right. guy who traveled without money you know and then now uh-huh. you've kind of moved on to to doing motivational coaching um right. and so i find that fascinating because you don't seem to fit in this career box of i mean how would you describe yourself
1: well i i think uh, i had to and I wanted to embrace change all the time. And I had to, I must honestly say. So uh, way back when I was living in Germany, early 2000s, I was a comedian for MTV uh, Germany, kind of like doing, doing funny interviews with like Hollywood celebrities. And, and it was great, but it was endl- it was not endless. It was at one stage, it was like, well, you know, the world is changing and, you know, MTV doesn't need you anymore. And, you know, everything is changing right now. You know, people go on YouTube to watch kind of comedy shows. So it was over. And then I started my travels and I published the travels on networks and uh, published them as books. And it was great. It was great to really get into that new role. But even that was and uh, it was not endless. You know, it's like uh, everything has changed, the market, the book market. And, you know, uh, it, it was, you know, a, a different scene a couple years in. And then I moved to America uh, after we talked. So I, I moved to, to the United States in 2014. And uh, it, it, ironically, I would say I got my green card, you know, with that travel—how to travel the world for free. That's how they, how how America gave gave me the permanent re- residency here because of the project. So, interesting. <laughs> if anyone wants to have the American green card, you have to travel <laughs> the world for free. You know.
0: <laughs> well, that seems like an inexpensive way to do it. So, so they right. they just looked you. I mean, it was you know part of. Being in the U.S. or was it during the application process? They said, you know, they were able to use it as a reference. Or how, what was the connection? How did that? How did that? How does it work?
1: Right. I, I applied uh, for residency here. You know, I, I wanted to, to move to the United States and basically change my career to become, you know, a coach and motivational speaker. And what I applied uh, in the green card section as extraordinary qualification in your profession. So they looked at this traveler. So it's like usually they have engineers and all these people, you know, who prove to be really good or sportsman or something and then it was like the traveler and who can you compare the traveler with you know so and yeah the, the publications uh, convinced the immigrations here in america and i got the green card um w- mainly with how to travel the world for free and how to bottle for paradise and then i started the next business uh, coaching and motivation
0: so i'll jump back to to germany uh, where, where in germany are you are you from
1: Born and raised in a small town north of Frankfurt, uh, but then I lived before I moved to the United States, like in, in Berlin, almost ten years.
0: In ten years, and I'm always fascinated. I can imagine from the small town to why you'd want to move to Berlin. I, I get just more opportunities. Obviously, a great city, which which I'm I love. I really do like Berlin a lot. It's it's such a nice city. Uh, but then what brings you to the U.S., you know, why, why that change or that leap?
1: Right. So, you know, with, within all these travels I've done as like a passion and a profession, uh, I mo- also moved around. So basically I uh, I went to college, university in England for four years. And after high school in the 90s, yeah, I'm I'm in my mid 40s. So I'm in the 90s. I had this one year uh, uh, volunteer year in, in Santa Barbara, California to avoid the military service in Germany in the 90s. So there we still had to do one year service. I didn't really feel like the military. So I did the social service in, in, in California and somehow I managed to get this, you know, like sorted with authorities in Germany that they said, okay, good, then you don't <laughs> have to go to military. So that was my first year of America. And I, I liked a couple of things, uh, mindset, motivational stuff and i wanted to come back at one stage and that's why i planned to really move back and live in the rocky mountains as like a passion as well so i'm here in colorado
0: and you had you been to colorado before or a few times or you know i I haven't been actually i've driven through colorado but i haven't stopped and seen Colorado. why colorado
1: Right. So basically what I've done. So first, when I moved to uh, um, to United States in the end of 2013, I moved to Hawaii. So yeah, big dream and uh, how to bother for paradise was bothering the story. And so I had this little place in Hawaii to stay. But then uh, six months in, I, I spent all my savings in Hawaii, because Hawaii is so expensive. So I was pretty much broke. And I I looked for a good place to live in the United States. and I this sounds a little bit naive maybe, I I googled happiest places in the United States and uh, Boulder, Colorado always came up. It was always like, this is the place where people are happy. So I was like, okay, I want to be happy. So I moved to Boulder, Colorado, but it was same expensive than Hawaii. So I moved on. So now I live in a different place in Colorado, which is not that expensive. Are you happier though? Did it (laughs) help your happiness? Uh, living in colorado it does because it's a very outdoorsy place so i'm I'm a runner um you know the climate is great uh f- people are friendly and it's very outdoorsy so like mountains and the lifestyle is pretty awesome i i love it i love it yeah
0: cool and i, I want to go back now to traveling around the world with no money which just is the greatest title ever like you know, there's always people. You know, how to travel on ten dollars a day, five dollars. You know, whatever. But you're just like, you know what? No money. I'm gonna do this bartering, basically. Right. And and how did that start? I mean, the, 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 where? I mean, where did the idea come from? And then you have to be pretty, I think, outgoing to come up with that plan uh, to a point. You know, where because you're gonna have
1: to interact with people a lot. Um, right. Right. In and well, maybe maybe something I'm 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 good in, you know, like communicating, being extroverted. But um, it was it started. I wanted to do. I wanted to travel the world as, as a personal passion. And I didn't have enough money, you know. So it was kind of easy to think about. Well, maybe I should do it without. And then I thought, okay, maybe this could be really interesting to to make a publication out of it if if you make make it happen. And then I thought about, okay, the end of the world is Antarctica. Let's just try to do this. And I planned. So, <laughs> being German, Germans <laughs> like to plan. So I, I planned quite a bit. And you know, sometimes planning is good, and sometimes, well, you got to be spontaneous anyway. But I, I had a few plans how I do this. So I planned that I'm going to do it by the border system. Like I approach people and I ask them, what can I do here right now that you may help me with food, accommodation or travel, you know, as a barter deal. And I, I tried it out in Berlin. Like I just walked around Berlin and I pretended to be on the world travel beforehand. And I, I tried it out and I could figure out that this barter idea is the idea that works because people say like, okay, if you tell me a joke and you make me you know, laugh, here, here right now, I'm going to buy you some food. Or if you're going to do something outrageous... And so that's how it started. And then I could see people want something entertaining. Like People say, if you do a handstand, if you tell me a joke, if you do something really funny here right now. And I felt like, OK, this is this is the angle. And that's how it worked. And doing this tr- trip without money around the world, I did pillow fighting. I dressed up as a butler. I took this butler costume with me. I, I acted as a human, human sofa. People could sit on my back to rest when they were tired. So so all these kind of like you know out of the box funny ideas, and this is really what people liked—a little bit of entertainment uh, within a couple minutes—and that made it work uh, pretty much thirty thousand kilometers with no money.
0: Wow! So did you have to? I mean, were the was the quote you know comedy routine spontaneous, or did you come up with the comedy like an idea? Is it, okay? I'm going to do this or tell this joke. Or, or, or was it more spontaneous did you, or did you have a goal, you know, this week I'm going to be couch, next week I'm going to try
1: to make people laugh? It was a mixture. So, for example, the the, the so-called human sofa uh, happened in Las Vegas and, and Vegas was, you know, 100 degrees and hot and I, I spotted that people were looking for places to hang out and sit down and they don't offer much. So it's like, either you go and purchase something or there is no place to sit. There are not like park benches in Vegas. It, it's not part of the deal. So this is how I spontaneously found a niche that people want to rest on my back for a couple of minutes uh, and uh, rest. So that was spontaneous. But then for example, pillow fighting, Yeah, I offered pillow fighting for a dollar and pillow fighting was something I planned and I, tested in berlin and i could see the pillow fighting thing works people like that funny stuff like why not doing a minute of pillow fighting with a guy for you know like a euro or a dollar and so it's a mixture of things Mm -hmm.
0: interesting and was there a country that it was more difficult or you know as someone who's pretty introverted like the idea of going up to people and interact you know just coming up with this idea sounds like I would hesitate to do it. And if somebody came up to me, I would be more hesitant. Were there parts of the world that were more open and less open? Or...
1: And humor-related. Huh? So this kind of pillow fighting worked best in Canada and, New- and United States. Huh? It's kind of this crazy humor let's pillow fight that's kind of North America huh? South America no way it didn't work like people were like what? what's going <laughs> on with you you know it's like well, what's wrong here so uh, it didn't work but then other things worked uh, it's uh, like in Latin America like in Peru and Panama I've done this butler and that was more the, the humor like that's that was kind of He's dressed as this British butler. That's kind of more the humor uh, uh, in the Latin American countries somehow. Um, So yeah, so it's different. So more the action in North America and a little bit of a different touch uh, uh, and a bit more talking about the background. Why is someone doing this uh, on purpose? Well, that was in some Latin American countries important. They were like, why are you doing this? You know, why, why do you do that? I don't understand. And so that was more like really making people understand that it's something I want to achieve and I'm really curious and I want to uh, uh, leave my comfort zone and and really uh, experience the world on this intense level.
0: Wow. I mean, you it's it's this cultural experience download. I mean, because humor is very... Some things I feel like are kind of the, the idea of humor is universal right I think every culture has humor and they understand humor. I could make a joke about some cultures that don't understand humor as well but you know but sort of the way people interpret humor is very you know specific to a culture and it's kind of interesting you said that physical comedy works better. Some places uh, you know dressing up works better. other places and I feel like you have this great now experience that can help you in so many other places in life and just interacting with people coming up with creative ideas you know I mean maybe I'm making more of it than it is but I, I just feel like it's a very unique knowledge that you've kind of obtained
1: well I mean, that's something I, I definitely encourage everyone uh, to leave the comfort zone to do something which is a little bit uh, rough for you, first of all, you know, not dangerous, but a little bit rough, and to really g- get out out of the comfort zone. Huh? I think that's something which is really worthwhile doing it. And probably I've done it because ten years ago, wow, it's just like, well, I don't care. And then on the trip, I was like, oh my god, I'm scared, and um, what am I doing here? So a little bit full of myself at the beginning, but it pushed me to do it. So, huh? so, uh, but. I can highly encourage people to kind of like make a move and do something which is like not in, in, their, in their standard uh, way of living, something outside the box. It, 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 it is really m- memorable for life. Yeah.
0: And that seems like it sort of transitioned you into uh, motivational coaching. Is that the right term to use A motivational coaching? Um, what, what led the transition? So you've done this trip, you've, you made it to Antarctica, and I'll link to our chat and your books also in the show notes, so people can take a look, but you've done this entire trip. It must be the sense of major accomplishment, but also what's next. I'm, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's this huge project that's done. Is that where the, the shift occurs or is there something in between?
1: Right. There, something in between. So I've done like five trips in total. So how to travel the world for free was the most f- known one uh, uh, and kind of very catchy. and yeah, But then there were other trips. So I've done more challenges. One was like, uh, it, it was called uh, uh, 50 States of Wiggy. Uh, my last name is Wiggy. So I traveled 50 States in 50 days and I had to face 50 challenges in the United States. Another one was uh, crossing Germany on a Razor scooter, like this kind of little uh, scooter we all know, more or less from, from our childhood. Uh, and, and it was like 2,500 kilometers in 80 days. So it was like a workout challenge, you know, like doing this. And then there was the how to Bother for paradise, which was like bothering the apple for bigger and better. So there were four big stories. But at the end of these four big stories, it was a great time of frame of 10 years. I felt like you know, like this is, has been great but is it, is it your goal to kind of like do more and more and facing challenges is so interesting but I've seen a couple of people in maybe in a related field who were kind of like facing these challenges like maybe in a different way like climbing the highest mountains or feeding crocodiles and it didn't always go right so mm-hmm. I've seen people and you may know them as well they pushed their challenge uh, image too far Well, and I felt like I don't want to do it. I was like, you know, like these things worked out and it was pretty cool. I want to move forward, want to move on and want to move and maybe move forward like my experiences to others instead of trying to do something which I might not be capable of and which might be dangerous or which might not work out or so on. So I just did this shift.
0: Yeah, Uh, uh, that's what came to mind is, is, you know, the, the, the push... To, to up yourself every time would probably go into danger, right? Like things that are closer and closer and closer. And I think that's a lot of people do that online without realizing it. You know, if they're influencing or they're online, you see like YouTubers saying stupid things. It's because you talk, talk and talk, and you've got to kind of, you know, maybe turn up the the intensity or whatever. And And in travel too, I see people... Do things which work out well usually, but could be dangerous, like could have gone wrong. And, you know, there's a there's a a balance. So, you know, and I think with the world challenges, you probably, you know, at that point, it's like, what more can you do without being putting yourself in harm?
1: Right, and, and and there was one aspect um, when people read a book about this, they just see that story, yeah, which is like, oh my God, he's done that, and that's cool. But it's also a way of living, like a like a, a way to make money in the end of the day. So all these like ten years, I've done all these projects. That that that's that was my job in a way. So it's it's kind of like maybe not so nice to say it was a job, but somehow I publish books, and you make money with publishing books, and that's how you make a living. And dealing with like, you know, like book publishers or even a TV network, that kind of push comes easily that the client says, look, don't we want to have a new publication? And you say like, oh, yeah, awesome. And then it's like, but we need something a little bit more spicy. And that's the risk. And that's what I've seen with some people. There needs to be like, like you say, like, yeah, YouTubers, why do they start saying something? Because They need a little bit more, otherwise things get redundant and maybe they lose their audience and stuff. So this is a little bit of a tricky point to always keep in mind.
0: Yeah, It it reminds me too, because I feel like the whole internet kind of is doing that, where it gets more extreme over time because there are more people online. So to to be noticed, you have to do more and more extreme things. I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but a lot of people Mm -hmm. get into that mindset. But as somebody, you know, I, from what you've said, you know, I, I do sports, I train martial arts, and I realize that these incremental changes, like it's not, you know, people ask me, how are you gonna start a YouTube channel? What's your plan for the year? I'm like, well, I have a five and a 10 year plan. Like, you know, I plan out long cause you know, I'm not, I'm not going to out sprint people to my goal, you know, it's more like a long marathon. <laughs> it's kind of how I look at things some people are good at the, the sprint, you know, they catch something, they go with it and it rolls. And I feel like maybe motivational, you know, reaching your goals is that's at least that's my approach. I mean, does that, is that sort of on the right path you think of thinking, or is that how you approach things?
1: Like, uh, did I understand you correctly that you have your own schedule and you're trying to have it, Uh, Non-influenced from from outside, is that that what you say, sorry?
0: Yeah, and and consistency over, you know, just trying to find the one thing that works. My strategy is usually, you know, rather than finding one way to make a million dollars, I'd rather find a million ways to make one dollar. And that, you know, these little, because I'll have more success that way, I think, you know, I, I can do that, I can play the long game. You know, I can persevere. And rather than trying to hit the lottery, in the sense of, you know, accomplishing a goal, whatever that might be.
1: Very good. Very good. Very patient and very stable approach. Uh, I think that's very good. Um, Awesome. I think what drove me or what is driving me is uh, also the, the, the factor... Like, whatever I do in these activities, I, I just want to be happy. The whole happiness factor, you know? Like, the why traveling? Because it's always been the passion. Why being on MTV and doing, yeah, in the old days, these funniest things? Because it was kind of like this challenge that at, my, at that age I was in, it was just awesome, you know, to meet Brad Pitt and do something funny with Brad Pitt. And, you know, people are kind of like excited and shocked or something. So I liked it at that time. And so these days, more forwarding these are, uh, uh, you know, motivational aspects on resilience, on change, on motivation. Um, so uh, th- that is very important for me, too. And that's why also why I moved to the United States. Um, to, 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 I want to be happy. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that's kind of part of it. And and that's why it's this changed somehow but it can be also very exhausting and maybe one one little aspect um when I came to the United States I also had a very downside you know, like I came here and I was like yeah no the guy who traveled the world and now he's in America and he's a speaker and it didn't work out that well at the beginning so I also experienced failing and from failing to kind of work through this you know and go up how do I make this happen now in America different rule than in Germany and so I also experienced that. So you pay a price with a lot when you embrace change uh, on a, like constantly, it, it it can be very stressful.
0: Yeah? And, and what was that, that transition and the, what was the, the dip like? So you're at this point, you've finished traveling the world, you've done with the challenges. Um, I mean, obviously you can still travel. It's not that <laughs> you're stuck right. and you're done with, with this kind of challenge travel and, and you, what makes you decide to go into speaking and and what is that kind of that dip like you know and you're going back now to sort of zero in a sense if you're starting a new a new chapter i guess
1: right so basically my situation what happened so i had two major changes at the same time huh? i changed the country fair enough you know as a world traveler it's it's not the biggest deal but then changing the career and making the career happen in a different Culture in a different system, which works differently, uh, uh, in a way. Uh, so um, and uh, well, I was very self-confident when I, when I moved here. After publications like How to Travel the World for Free brought me on the Tonight Show uh, in 2011, I was next to Katy Perry on the Tonight Show and Today Show, and there was kind of a lot of stuff which which gave me confidence. Uh, And and in Germany, things went pretty well. And then it was like, okay, now I'm the coach and the speaker, and it doesn't work out. (laughs) So so that was a a lesson that was not easy, because it's kind of like a little bit of a shock. But it was very good to really understand, well, uh, you really have to work hard for everything. And here you start at zero. You're in a new new career, in a new country, and not really that many people know your, your travels like in Germany. So... It, it was hard. It was stressful. It was rethinking. It was changing strategies. It was. I went back to Germany for seven, eight months. You know, to kind of like, you know, g- get a bit of fresh air and re- re- resettle a second time to the United States and earn a bit of money back there. So it was an experience, but it's good. Like I'm, I'm glad. Uh, to kind of adjust things and failing forward is something very important to learn lessons in life and to learn... That it's not just easy to be a coach and a speaker. You know, it's not that easy. you, you got to really do, do your homework for all of that and learn and get educated and really learn again. And it doesn't matter if you've done the, these travels before. It's starting again at zero.
0: And w- what does the, the 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 speaker look like? In, in other words, you know, I imagine like a TED Talk stage and, and you're talking to people. But, I mean, you know, let's say... you. You, you decide to be a speaker, where do you start? you know what's day one like? I mean is it Yeah I, I guess yeah I'll start from day I can't even begin to think of where to start. Right.
1: So there, there has been a TED talk, TED talk at one stage but before that uh, it, it starts like with free um, uh, speeches in rotary clubs and yeah uh, like that's what I learned that was a lesson like in America. you'd rather start for free. Uh, So, fair enough. I've done stuff for free, but it was like, okay, but I'm a speaker now and I might need to earn some money at one stage, but it was like, no, 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 you really got to start for free for a while and to really prove that you're a paid speaker. So it was like, okay, it was a different game. Uh, And that's how I did it. And the first speeches were not good. You know, it was, it's not my native tongue. So uh, it was like, okay, doing a good motivational speech in English, it is more a challenge than doing it in German for me. So It was like, okay, and learning and being not good at the beginning. It it was kind of mediocre. Like, okay, you know, we've we've seen other speakers who've been better. And then getting better and training at home uh, in your living room and having your video camera and really experiencing this is going to be hard work now you got to do it this is your next challenge so setting up my life and my business in america was a challenge as big as like traveling the world for free so for me it's like kind of parallel things although they're very different
0: so you you do these free talks you know as sort of both to build up the resume so that people can say where have you spoken before and you can actually tell them you know these these places these events how long are the talks you know in the beginning Uh, Are they fifteen minutes, forty-five minutes?
1: Right. Like, let's say if you speak at the Rotary Club, uh, it's you can be an hour. So yeah, they want a motivational talk, you know, and having your background involved in that. Uh, So it can be an hour, uh, and you can speak at colleges. uh, Like I spoke at uh, different college colleges for free. Then you can uh, go to the corporate arena uh, and like associations, corporations, and big events. all these kind of stuff, but it requires, uh, you know, digital marketing and, um, you know, being somewhere ranked on Google and doing your having your database of people. So stuff I've never done before as a traveler. Huh? Mm-hmm. And this was kind of like, okay, you got to do this. It's not going to happen otherwise.
0: And is you know, yeah, it's a huge learning curve. I mean, I am well versed in that sort of the SEO world from my side. Like, yeah, you know, right. And- And so I I understand how those things work. And what's fascinating to me is that you've got to get up on stage, not only just talk to people, you know, you're not just explaining something. You're almost trying both to teach them how to be motivated and motivate them to be motivated at the same. It's like almost double work they have to do in the same talk.
1: So there is, you know, exactly. So there is, first of all, a lot of practice to really do this professionally and it, it's an art form. Yeah? It's an art form like to really encourage people, motivate people. As a motivational speaker, you want them to leave the room, the conference room or something, being like excited and saying like, oh my God, you know, we turn challenging times into opportunities. I got it. You know, it's it's an emotional connection. Yeah? So th- this is an art form to do that. So yeah, entertainment involved, information involved, but it's kind of the emotional connection. That's what makes a good speaker and Uh, you got to be self-confident to do that. Uh, Self-confidence is something very important. So when I uh, basically did all these travels and had a certain success, the self-confidence was there. But two years into America, when the business wasn't running well, it was hard to keep that self-confidence, which is needed to be a self-confident speaker and to connect to the crowd. So I went through that period of like, okay, I don't really feel confident right now. And I kind of... Got to make it happen here.
0: And the audience can feel that, right? If you're not confident, that comes across, I'm guessing.
1: It comes across. You're not confident. It gets, you're, you're, it's a thin line to embarrassment. So <laughs> you, you can leave that stage and people are like, like wired. Like, and I've I've had that in these days, the better I got, you know, you have people wired and they're like, oh my God, you know, like, I want to do this. I want to go back to my job and I love it. And if, if you're not confident, if if you don't connect to them uh, emotionally, it can be a little bit embarrassing. So I had like a speech at an association five, six years ago, seven years ago, and they were having lunch while I was speaking and it wasn't really good. So you could tell like they were just like having lunch and not even listening and then then self-confidence even goes down further
0: (laughs) and then do you do then what happens there is like do you withdraw within yourself or do you do the internet style where you just get louder maybe try to up up the game kind of
1: well, and the question is, does it work exactly? You automatically get louder or something, and it doesn't necessarily make it better because it's kind of like, look, don't disturb me at you dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I think, like, coming from comedy, it must be, you know, that's not easy to make people laugh or be entertained. It looks easy when it when people do it well, but I think it's pretty uh-huh. difficult. And you get used to failure that way because you have probably for every joke that works, probably ten you know, don't work, or there's a lot of trial and error that goes on. Uh, Does that help? I mean, does that help when talking to people in this different context?
1: Well, it's, it's good I have that background, you know, where I'm coming from, like MTV and all these things in the past. So that kind of like helps me, but still, you're right. Like, if you're not in a good mindset to make jokes, jokes only work, especially when it's not your native tongue, jokes only work, Um, yeah, when you're in line with everything and uh, you're kind of good, you're you're in a good mood. You're like really like on stage, you know, like on top of the game. And if not, it's like really hard to make a joke and it goes very easily very wrong. You know, like kind of like like no one laughing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you know, and I'm going back to sort of martial arts training, but there are times when you hit a flow state you know whether it's running or or just you know whatever you do and then catching that is so difficult but then sometimes you you get these little failures and you start to overcorrect and then you it doesn't immediately rebound and you get you kind of pull yourself back a little bit it's just, it's a thing that you have to i think all of us have to work on to not hit a failure and then immediately try to like turn around to course correct and then we're all the way off, you know, it wasn't so far off the original goal that we wanted to do.
1: So did you experience to, to rather overcorrect sometimes? Yeah, certain things
0: absolutely. Especially when I'm new at something, you know, you, you get to this point where something happens and you go, I'm doing this completely wrong. You never say, oh, maybe 5%, a little bit off, you know, I just need to fix this and this. No, I'm going to change everything or, and, and then just overcorrect. Mm-hmm. And now you've you've gotten further back, and then you fail more, and then you you can get into this cycle. Maybe that you know that's me, but I have seen it in newer students.
1: Oh no, you're right. And then it's like a a over no yeah yeah understand. So overcorrecting, although maybe in the first attempt they only needed five percent or you know like a little thing to, to to adjust and keep the self confidence to go. And keep that first idea, at least in in its core. And if if there is, exactly, overcorrecting, and then the the self-confidence goes down, and then it's kind of like changing, changing, changing. You're right. It happened to me, too. I I went, uh, especially in these first years here in the States, exactly, I changed my speeches and everything, my marketing, and it was just like not me anymore. That's a typical... Uh, a symptom of uh, losing the self-confidence, huh? like having that line, is so important and the self-confidence. Like I do my thing. Like like when I was younger, MTV and all that, I always did my thing, it, and people didn't like it sometimes. And I did my thing, and that really paid out. Huh? Like having that straight line. And if you listen to all these voices all the time, you get completely com- confused. Huh?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's 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 interesting. You bring up an interesting point of where you know you know a lot of times you know when i started making youtube videos which is pretty new for me you know i'm so in my head of thinking about what i'm saying or how i look on camera that it's terrible it's not me it's not you know it's just terrible and i'm like who is that when you watch it back you go who is that and it it just it looks disconnected and i think uh, you know it, it's trying to get that connect but again it's you know maybe you know it's a confidence thing i think as well that try to get that that
1: point so it's a confidence thing as well yeah and, and, for, and for speaking like recording videos i always recommend you know, like imagine you, your body is there, not a camera. You just do this to your body. When, when I coach people on, on speaking, I always say like, it's not the phone. It's not, the, it's, it's not your recording phone right now. It's just your buddy or your wife. And, and that's the person you're talking to and you're doing this for. And don't think about a big audience possibly listening because that makes you like uh, reflecting on how do I come across? Uh, and that's, then, then it gets a slippery slope easily.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's one of the reasons I like doing the podcast is because there's less, you know, I'm not worried so much about the sound and the lighting and this and that. And it's just more of a conversational style that, you know, so, right. so a lot more comes yeah, out. Perfect. So why motivational speaking? You know, why not some other kind of uh, talk, you know, maybe cultural talks or travel talks So why motivational speaking?
1: Well, like like these travels I've done over over the stretch of ten years, you know, I I'm I felt more and more there is something I took I I took out of you know, from you know so my my lessons learned you know for example embracing change you know, like when I was younger I, and looking back I was never good on embracing change you know, like like I remember in like early two thousands when the banks in Germany changed from or like a money transfer filled out in in this paper slip to uh, online banking. That was like in 2003 to five in Germany. And I was so hesitant, I didn't want to do it. Like I I still went to the bank and filled out all these transfer slips with my really bad handwriting. So, uh, and friends of mine said, look, oh my God, man, you got to be online. What are you doing? And I, I had like this resistance. And so these adventures I've done, they forced me to really embrace change like the travel without money it was like what you got to be funny you got to g- look for food you got to be proactive talk to people new country it was like co- like a chameleon constant change so i got better in embracing change through all these uh, trips that 's why one of my big uh, aspects in in motivational speaking is is change you know? how How do we embrace change? We have a crisis here. we all need to embrace change. You know? The other one is like facing fears you know? like when you like all these travels not that I was scared all the time, but it's you know, leaving your comfort zone and facing fears and 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 learning um, resilience for example. So all these aspects played in, and I could see that at one stage, well, it it was a bit of a lesson you learned here. Uh, Maybe that's something you can forward, and that's basically what the motivational speaker and the motivational coach is doing to to support people in change and leadership and resilience uh, and all these uh, similar topics.
0: So I imagine someone listening who maybe doesn't embrace change, you know, Maybe they're older or maybe they're very set in their ways and they say, well, you know, you can do it. You've traveled, you, you've been on TV, you know, you're extroverted. So maybe change is for you, but I'm, I'm perfectly happy the way I am. Is, does that person require a change or, or, or how do you like, you know, overcome people that are just very resistant to change? And they're just like, you know, everything's fine and I'm not changing.
1: Well, if the person is happy, every, everybody's good. You know? So if the person is happy, all good. But if someone says, look, you know, like I said, maybe a bit older, age may play into this or certain uh, fear may play into this. If someone says, look, I really have a hard time, like right now, like, you know, the whole uh, pandemic and people work from home, people love it. Other people don't get along because it's a change. You know, They, they lack the structure. They're like, look, I'm, I'm at home. I'm lost, you know. And, uh, you know, it requires a bit of change, working with all the digital tools. And then we got a new one and a new tool. And things are changing. Industries are changing. And that's when someone says, yeah, I, I do suffer in all of this. You know, it, it, it stresses me out that the world is changing so fast. That's when I try to help and support. And and the good, I mean, it starts with the mindset to, to, uh, to accept that for embracing change you have to be outside your comfort zone so yeah you know, when we you know like want to change patterns habits whatever we have it, it is always a bit painful that's number one to understand don't 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 think it you know change comes like with just with beauty so uh, but with that mindset okay i'm i'm, I'm ready to, you know to kind of go through a little bit of a rough road but because i see the goal at the end that I'm like kind of, you know, having easier, easier workflow, that I'm, you know, like more successful, that I'm in a different industry. It, it's worth it. It's worth it to really break those barriers. And often the, the fear is holding us back, fear and negative beliefs. Uh, and to really work on fear. Why do I have fear? If you see, well, because I have negative beliefs, like I learned in my life the world is a dangerous place. Well, I always scared of the world. So, to understand these negative beliefs and to reframe them in positive ones and practice. And that's kind of one one strategy to really embrace change better. That's
0: interesting because I think fear, like maybe like love, is an emotion that people say is just ingrained, you know, that you, you fear something. For a very natural reason, and that's it you know you're scared of snakes or whatever, and that's like that's it that that's it that's how you're built. I think people accept that, and it's interesting that you know to go to the thought behind the fear there's there's a thought behind the fear. I think a lot of people don't think of it like that, and I don't think I always think about it like that. you know there's a thought behind there that you can you can change it
1: right it's often unconscious when you know like everyone has certain beliefs. You know, from our childhood, from how we grew up later on, teachers, friends, and often these beliefs are subconscious, like, like many of my clients, they, they deal with perfectionism can be good. Yeah, achievers, high achievers, but perfectionism also uh, makes you very stressed out after a while because you can—you are not good in failing, and you always have to do 120%. So often, the belief is behind that perfectionism: you have to be perfect to be accepted in life. You know, you always have to be an achiever that people love you, kind of. So it's very common in society to have a little bit of a perfectionist tendency, and then it helps to work on the belief: well. Failing my, fail, we don't always want to fail, but sometimes it's okay to fail if I learn my lesson out of failing and go on to plan B. Sometimes that's a good way to learn or, you know, like I don't always have to be an achiever. And Maybe I want to be an achiever at work, but when I go home, I don't always have to perform and achieve. You know, sometimes it's good to come, come down from their achievement level. So that's something to really work on and, uh, and to see, to, to start spotting beliefs. It's a bit of work, but, but it's really exciting.
0: And do you guide people on how to find that core belief? Y- y- you know, that, that belief behind the, the fear or the belief behind the the emotion, whatever it might be. Do you help them sort of try to get to the, the that source?
1: Right. Conversation based, exactly. Like a coach helps in a conversation to eat to spot it easy easier. But anyone who's listening here, everyone who's listening here can can do that at home. Get a journal and just think about Anything to spot like uh, I cannot, I should not, I must not. Yeah, anything which is dragging you through through your life, like you know, like like a, the belief the world is a scary place. Yeah, huh? that might, some people have. You know, have that. Uh, you know, have have learned that, and then they never travel the world because they think it's really, you know, and it's a negative belief. And other people who have a more, let's say, well balanced belief, well, the world can be good. The world can be challenging. You have to be cautious. You have to be have an open mind. That's a different mindset to go traveling and be pretty safe in a way. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. And and I find you know through travel, most of the places where people told me you shouldn't go there, it's scary or dangerous. 99 point I'd say almost 100 percent had never been to that place that was one thing that I learned if people tell you if locals tell you not to go somewhere okay maybe listen a little bit more carefully but often they haven't been to that neighborhood or that city and so I realized that you know seeing things for yourself is like oh it's not you know it's not that bad in most places and that sort of changed that you know that the thinking behind that fear and I You know, I I think it's a little bit similar to what you're what you're saying is that people don't realize the fear is often there's nothing behind the fear. Like, well, the thing you're scared of, uh, people are scared of snakes, for example. I've just used that as an example. They're probably not around a lot of snakes. Like, they probably you know don't have a lot of exposure to snakes. Um, It's kind of the same thing in a sense. We fear the thing that we are not exposed to as much as we think we are.
1: I've I've seen that in in the travels over those years a lot, you know, um, I went to uh, conflict regions yeah. So and I spoke to both parties, you know, on either side, uh, and I and I, they were like, yeah, the other side is really horrible. And then I asked the question, how often uh, uh, have you met a person from from that nationality or from that from that culture? And often the <laughs> answer so was like never. And that, I see that with prejudices all over, like even Europe, America. When I hear these kind of st- stereotypes going on sometimes, and then I'm like, okay, have you how how often how long have you been there? And often it's like I have never. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's big, yeah, and that causes you know fear. Fear plays in, you know, we we heard something and someone told us, and then it's a belief. Okay, these people are not good. And if you look at it, it's so like, uh, yeah, no, it, it can never be true. How can an entire nation be like this or that? Uh, so, yeah, uh, seen that a lot. You know? So always see the people first before you uh, make an opinion. You know? To to overcome that. fear. Uh, fear and misconception about something. Oh, I completely agree.
0: Yeah, and there's like, a, I think, you know, evolutionarily speaking, it makes sense to be scared of things you don't know, right? Like you wouldn't, you know, 20,000 years ago, go to the next mountain. Maybe some people did, and those were the er- early explorers and settlers, but a lot of times you'd get eaten by a tiger. So, <laughs> yeah, there's this yeah, balance. Interesting. And, and we have to kind of fight that instinct now, I think.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I never thought that way. That's good. Yeah, it it, it has its its place uh, in in evolution. You're right. Uh, so, yeah, but it's good to to spot uh, or to spot where is fear and pr- maybe even prejudice, but fear as a main driver, uh, giving me a negative belief. And uh, yeah, what should, what could I uh, overwrite huh? and in the belief system it's good to take a journal and write the positive beliefs, write them, write them, write them into really over days, weeks, sometimes months to integrate a new belief. Sometimes it's not easy because it's in theory but you want to believe the belief huh? so it's something to really convince yourself about with arguments why do I you know, be, really believe my positive belief. Well, let's say the world is a decent place with a few challenges, but also which can be pretty beautiful. What are my real arguments to believe this? That it's not just a word. Huh? And and that's that that's how I would go and really integrate positive beliefs.
0: Interesting. And you brought up change and how the world changes. And 2020 had a major change. Um, how has that changed? Both your speaking business and you know how does it affect the people that you're speaking to? You know it, it, what kind of fears are coming up? What kind of changes have you made to the you know the topics that you talk about? How, how, how does pandemic factor into motivational speaking?
1: Right. So it it, it has changed uh, definitely the topic. So just today I had a couple of clients and it was all about loneliness in a way. Like, while well, I'm working from home and I don't see the friends and I stopped working out because it's winter. And, uh, well, you know, kind of like, you know, we're not supposed to mingle anyway. Uh, yeah, more in Europe than here, but, um, and, and I'm more at home and I'm really feeling lonely and non-motivated. So that's like the big story, which is really happening to a lot of people right now. So it's so the work is about, talking to one-on-one coaching with people strategies workout you not know, to really do some physical activity you cannot just sit at home you know, all the time physical activity and what are the creative strategies to improve social life you know, either either digitally or meeting friends outside or having ideas like for example playing tennis outdoor tennis yeah, that's like thirty feet distance. So I think that's a pretty good social distancing sports. I actually play myself right now, and yeah, it's like really you're you're far away and you you have a good game and you have a friends around you. So this is a big topic: loneliness, stress management, lack of motivation. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, sorry. No. No. Yeah. There's, I when we do, the, you know, obviously, you know, from. All the talks you do on zoom but the the, the delay always i'm not i'm always cutting people off but no i'm sorry go ahead
1: well and, and it changed my business like when it started in march pretty drastically it was another force in my life that I had to embrace change. So I was just in a good position, like, well, they booked me on stage and, you know, you fly around and (laughs) it's pretty cool. And then it was like all of a sudden, end of story. So like the motivational speaking business is is down to almost zero and uh, even the the face-to-face coaching down to almost zero. So I had to push very hard to get everything online, to embrace change, working with all the tools, but also, you know, uh uh uh, making my uh, offerings online so right now it's pretty cool so i I got all my coaching clients online and many people book keynote speakers online right now so this is first it was people like companies were and, and groups and associations were hesitant we don't need like an online conference or an online speaker but now the world is getting used to this and so the online speaker gets accepted all of a sudden so i just got a booking today i was like okay cool sounds good you know
0: talking to big groups or one-on-one or is it a mix mix of both
1: like speaker that that's a group So that's a big group and that can be a group of 100 and everyone is on on Teams or Zoom or any any of these platforms. And then you're the speaker and you have your presentation and you do the screen sharing and you do your presentation. The only difference is that you're sitting, like I'm sitting right now and you're not on stage. But yeah, it gets accepted. It's pretty interesting. So a big advantage for a speaker well, this has, this is changing the world and I can do my job more from home, which is sometimes pretty cool as well.
0: And, you know, what if I'm thinking of people who want to get in touch, how, how does that look like? You, you know, let's say somebody either wants motivation for themselves or their company, how do they get in touch with you and, and how do they set it up? You know, how do they get an idea of what your talks are like? You know, is there...
1: Right. So so basically, it's 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 all on my website. So 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 associations and colleges and companies they reach out to me. They they find me on Google, like you said. You 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 worked a lot with the like Google ranking me too. So that's part of the business. So MichaelWiki.com, yeah. Wiki as W-I-W-G-E.com. Yeah. MichaelWiki.com is is my website, and then you see my coaching one-on-one, my speaking, and private individual if they need any kind of like. Uh, stress management, motivation, orientation, they just shoot me an email and we figure something out. Mm.
0: So it's individualized so it can be you know depending on the need the, what what is the motivation right like the the goal and then uh, so it's custom
1: even so people they 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 changing their career so big part of change huh? career changes in the middle of their life or they've been employed and now they want to be self-employed and fear comes in all these changes are something with the with the technique i do i learned systemic solution oriented coaching huh? and so being systemic means like uh, including all the people who affect you in our coaching and solution-oriented to really go for a strategy plan. You know, it's not about talking for agents. It's more like, okay, let's make strategy steps and homework and let's let's do it.
0: So I guess my, you know, my final question as we, we wrap up here is for the skeptics, you know, they're, they're going to say, well, how do you know how to motivate me or, or what what is it about you that al- that gives you the the sort of expertise and motivation. What, what would you say?
1: It's motivation and it's, 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 it's clarity. Clarity is a big one here too in coaching. Oh, so let's say on stage, it's more motivation. One-on-one is more clarity. Like, ah, I know what I want to do, but I don't know how. And I have, I have a lack of clarity. So I, the way I ask questions, so I'm more, I'm just like in the background, just asking questions. And with these precise questions, helping the client to gain clarity and then with a the clarity, we together work out a strategy plan. So that's something I think I learned also. And with my background, uh, which is, you know, like something real life background. Um, so I'm not just speaking from theory. So it's kind of, I experienced whatever, you know, challenges of change myself, obviously, and, and also in all the travels and stuff. So it's a mixture between stuff I've learned and, and life experience.
0: And I, I'll do a follow-up for, for the introverts who are listening, who might be interested. You know, for, for very introverted people, I think the idea of talking to someone to solve an issue is not always the first place they go. So there's a hesitation to start. Once they get going, then it's usually fine. I think how how, you know, I guess... If You have the ears now to to, to listen, but what would you say to them, to to the people who are like, oh, but I have to talk to somebody or, you know, it seems complicated or, but I have this thing that I really want to solve. so.
1: So there you would break your first barrier, like talking to a person you don't know. Well, that's kind of outside your comfort zone. And I would see it as the first challenge. It's about, like I said, you have to go through a few uncomfortable uh, emotions. This is number one. So if you set it up as your first challenge, while it's against my pattern, but I got to reach out to someone, I want to see, you know, first session, if that's cool or not. And uh, I see it as a personal challenge to do this, to overcome my uncomfortableness, and really talk to this unknown person and try to trust the person. Um, and that's already step one outside the comfort zone.
0: Well, that's that's great. I I, I like the way you frame that. It's almost a, I think the idea of having a challenge pushes a lot of people to say, oh. I can meet that challenge, like, oh, okay, <laughs> I can do that. You know, and then uh, it's like failure, but in the opposite of, you know, sometimes a failure can lead to failure, 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 depending on your mindset, but the opposite is also true, right? So success can kind of pile on each other.
1: Yeah. And with that challenge, uh, challenge aspect, it's you turn it into a game. Uh? So my 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 slogan is, it's challenge for change that's 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 my my coaching and motivational slogan, so yeah you know, always see challenge for change as like a, a playful uh, game like I wanna challenge myself and run the ten kilometers in a certain time it's like a game I wanna push myself you know i wanna yeah, and then it's fun and then it's not like this negative negativity in it like oh I gotta do it comfort zone no? more like uh, who, who is stronger me or the fear <laughs> me it's a game
0: that's I, I really like the way that you, you phrase that, oh, I, I think it's, it's interesting. I will try to implement that more in, in, in things that I do, you know, try to, um, but the, the playful aspect, I think is when you're having fun, it, it almost like now that you say it, it almost aligns with you're usually confident and then you're being yourself, you know, there's sort of this merging of those things that happen, the outline and, and, and things flow better. Right.
1: right. Yeah. Keep, keep the playful aspect. Exactly. Well, I think that's definitely the way to go. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Well, uh, I will leave a link to where people can find you, your website online, your books, everything in the show notes. Um, so everybody listening, be sure to check that out. But I, I want to thank you for your time. It was, it was a really uh, nice conversation. Great to catch up after, I guess, all these years, I, <laughs> I want to say.
1: Thanks for the invite. We really appreciated the conversation. Yeah? That was cool
0: great well we'll have to catch up maybe uh, you know when things get a little bit normal and 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 see how things are going and and but uh, definitely keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast thank you Michael for being my guest I enjoyed our conversation a lot it was it was just great and uh, I think in a, in a year like 2020 you know we could all use a little bit of just sort of good news motivation positivity uh, and I feel like, you know, I feel like, you know, after after that talk, it, it kind of I kind of feel better. I don't know. I, I think that that's that's a good sign. And I hope you feel better, too. And, you know, what makes me feel a lot better is if you haven't already, if you can go to wherever you're listening to this podcast, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, if you can give the Fox Nomad podcast five stars. It's a huge help to get word out about the show. And it, like I said, it just makes me happier. And why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, it's just a click away. All right. Thanks very much. I'll catch you guys all in the next episode. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.